Good morning, everybody. My name is Andrea DeCook. I am the director of BASIC, or College and Young Adult Ministry here at Orchard. And if you are, or if you know someone who is a college student, young adult, or maybe just graduated from high school and is around this summer, um, and you want to come hang out with us. We have some events going on throughout the summer. Um, just hang out. It's called Backyard Basic. We're going to do some s'mores, some food, lots of food. Um, and we'd love to have you. And mostly I just want to make sure you're getting your nutrients in. Because as a college student, that is the first thing to go. Um, so come find me in the lobby. We'd love to hang out with you over the summer. Um, and this series, Yes And, was actually first done at Basic. We heard some great feedback about the content and the impact, and we're able to introduce some new voices and young teachers through this series. So we thought it'd be a great idea to bring it to you here on Sunday mornings. And yes, and is really all about the duality of life. For example, later this month, I am going to see Taylor Swift in concert. Yes, that concert, the one that has been making news headlines for months, the one that caused Ticketmaster to shut down completely and people to shell out way too much money in Swifties everywhere to stand in merch lines for hours, right? My sister and I were able to get pre-sale tickets for the Minneapolis show. Since purchasing them in February, we have bought the most sparkly sequined outfits we could possibly find. We have researched which shoes to wear because the show is five hours long and we need to stand through the whole thing. I will not be caught sitting. I've also watched a lot of TikToks to get insight from other people to figure out when the best time to use the bathroom is so that I don't miss any of the show. We've also secured a parking spot already through the app's uh, Spot Hero. It's an only 11 minute walk to the stadium. So we have put in the work. Yes, I am beyond excited, and I know how insane this whole Taylor Swift concert experience thing is. Yes, I am going to scream out every word to all too well, and during that, I will be thinking about the awful traffic after the concert the entire time. Yes, I will brag about seeing this show and tell all of my college students that they should not go because it's a waste of their money. <laughs> this is one of my current yes and moments. We all experience yes and in a myriad of ways. And most of the time, they can be confusing, disorienting, painful, and difficult to navigate. We say, yes, whatever we are currently experiencing in life is real, and God is doing something incredible with it. It's, yes, we're going to have some rough stuff happen to us and within us, and God is going to use that to make something beautiful happen. Yes, we're going to lament. Yes, we're going to witness death and hurt and pain. And God is still good. And through death, God brings resurrection. Really, yes and is learning that two things that seem like they're the exact opposite can exist at the same time. At BASIC, we chose to do the Yes and series because we learned that the number one issue college students are currently facing is anxiety. Once a month, my co-director and I meet with other college pastors and directors at UNI. And during these meetings, we get to hear from different offices on campus. One month, we were joined by the director of their counseling services, and she shared that college students right now are more anxious than ever. 
the really astonishing part is we learned one in four young adults are having suicidal thoughts or ideations. One in four. My own experience with anxiety started in college too. It was my final semester and suddenly I found myself at an internship I didn't like and facing the reality that I would graduate the next semester and I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do anymore and I was applying for jobs and none of them were really working out and I didn't know where I was gonna live or who with and I needed to make choices and the choices I needed to make were endless and what if I chose the wrong job and what if I failed at it and got fired and everyone thought I was a failure. I had my first panic attacks that year. Really, I think a lot of our anxieties are brought on by change in transitions. They're hard, right? Transitioning from college to the real world or singleness to marriage or the death of a loved one or going from one baby to two babies to three babies, moving to a new state, new jobs. Transitions are hard because we don't know what to expect. They are hard because we lose all sense of consistency. Thanks, Tim. Can you, oh, one second, I want everyone to see Tim's outfit while he is here. It, he's full BBS decked out in the NASA. <laughs> So yes, change is hard. Graduating college is hard. Bringing a new baby home to a crawling toddler is daunting. Yes, co-parenting is stressful and doesn't always feel like it's working. Yes, it's hard to be single when everyone around you looks at you as if you're missing something. Yes, it sometimes feels like we're so worried that we can never possibly be peaceful again. This is valid. Our yeses are real, but have you ever found yourself stuck in the yes? Stuck in a space where you can't see the next thing or can't feel anything but worry. This morning, I want to talk about uprooting ourselves from that yes so we can lean into what else God has to offer. Because even though we're always going to be faced with change and transitions, we can rely on a God who is constant. The first point I want to touch on this morning is that when we live yes and, we believe that God is immutable, which means he will not change. When I study the Bible with college students, I try my best to show them the zoomed out picture of the Bible, especially the Old Testament. The Old Testament can be scary because it has many stories about wars and genocide and curses from God. Topher shared a little bit about that last week. Sometimes it can feel like it doesn't align with what we read about God in the New Testament. So I share this with them. I say, the Old Testament is just one big cycle. It's a love story about God and his people, the Israelites. God promised them that if they obeyed him and chose to worship only him, then they'd be blessed and they would be a people that multiplies. But they didn't. If they didn't, they would see hardship because God had to teach them how to be his people. And because the Israelites were just human beings, of course they messed up, right? Of course they disobeyed God and worshiped other gods. So of course there were times that they faced hardships, but then they would come back to God and be blessed again, but then they would disobey again, and the entire Old Testament is just one big cycle. And a lot of times it can be confusing because we don't know who God really is in that. 
We can't see how he's the same God that is in the New Testament. So I always point students back to this, that even when the Israelites disobeyed, God was consistent, immutable. Even when they fell far away from him, he was always there, waiting for them to return to him. He was always ready to welcome them back into his family. His consistent character is boasted about throughout the Old Testament, like in Psalms when David wrote, they will perish, but you endure forever. They will wear out like a garment. You change them like clothing and they pass away, but you remain the same and your years will never end. People come and go and we change every day, but God stays the same and lives forever, immutable. In the New Testament, James wrote a similar thought. He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, from whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So what does this mean for us? Why does it matter that God is immutable and never changing? It matters because he is a constant we can rely on and he provides us with what we need when we're stumbling through change and anxiousness and worries. Because God is constant, we can trust that through our anxiety, he will continue to pursue us and provide for us. This is the second point I wanna make this morning. That as we live yes and, God's peace is accessible. I bet you've heard God referred to as the king of peace or Jesus as the prince of peace, right? Peace is a part of the very nature of God. In fact, one of the names given to God in the Old Testament is Jehovah Shalom, which means God our peace. And do you know what fascinates me about him? That he doesn't succumb to fear or anxiety. Like when the pandemic hit, for example, God wasn't pacing back and forth in heaven and pulling his hair out and trying to figure out how to help us out of this mess. Can you imagine God frantically yelling at angels to try to go find a solution and a cure for the pandemic? No, because that isn't who God is. God is steady. And his consistent character means he is always in peace. The thing about God is he knows what's going to happen. Unlike us, he has every day ordained and planned out. We have to live day to day, but God is beyond that. He knows what exactly the end of all of this is going to look like. In Isaiah, it says, I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. His purpose will always stand. No matter what happens in this world, it will not ruin the good and holy plans God has for you and his people and all of creation. And there's nothing you can do that will rattle God. There's nothing about politics or pandemics or natural disasters that will change his mind about humanity. He will stay at peace and his plans will move forward. God is immutable in his peace. He was, is, and always will be peace. The Israelites learned this shortly after their escape from Egypt. Moses led them to freedom, which largely involved walking through the desert with little to no food in the heat. God promised them a land of their own, a literal promised land where nobody would rule over them. Yet, because they're tired and hot, they complained that they'd rather still be in Egypt where they were slaves. And here's the thing, friends, I think I'd be complaining too. I'd be overwhelmed and terrified and anxious. 
the vastness of the desert and not knowing which way is home and which way is safe would be enough to cause me to panic. They were stuck in the yes. They could only see what was happening right then. All they could feel was the anxiety brought on by the endless questions. What are we gonna eat? Where will we settle? Will we ever experience a life outside of this desert? And I've been stuck in a yes recently too. Not the Taylor Swift yes. A yes that feels more icky and that has more control over my life. My husband, Ken, and I have been navigating our finances in a new way. We've been having more intentional conversations about where we spend our money. And in relationships, that can be really hard. I bet a lot of you can relate to that. Sometimes it feels like we're doing everything wrong. Budgeting wrong, saving wrong. Sometimes it feels like we have the wrong goals. Should we be saving for a new car? Because mine is rusting out on the bottom and pretty soon I'm, I'm gonna be like Fred Flintstone with my feet hanging out. Or should we be paying off debt more aggressively? Or should we be putting uh, money toward a down payment for a house? My yes is that navigating money feels hard and has a lot of shame and guilt wrapped up in it. I get stuck in this yes pretty often. Have you ever found yourself stuck in a yes? Stuck in a space where you can't see the next thing or can't feel anything but the worry surrounding your what ifs. Friends, we can't forget about the and. In the midst of the desert, God came to Moses with this prayer for his people. This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The Hebrew word for peace in this scripture is shalom. Shalom at its simplest is defined as peace given by God, but it also means wholeness, completeness, just and right. It can be used as a greeting. If I were to say shalom to you, I would be wishing your entire being well, your relationships well, your body and your soul. Shalom is a deep-rooted belief that there's wholeness and completeness found within the God of peace. Shalom is God's desire for you, for me and everyone, despite or even in the midst of all kinds of circumstances. Yes, the Israelites were anxious. They were probably unsure about where they're going to get water. Yes, parents were trying to keep track of their kids on this caravan through the desert. I try to imagine that all the time and can't fathom how they did it. Yes, there was death going on around them. And yes, they were trying to stay hopeful for the promised land. Yes, their lives were in the middle of a huge transition full of unknowns and uncertainties. And God wanted shalom for them. And we know the same is true for us today. Similar to the prayer God gave the Israelites, Jesus had a prayer for us. And John, he said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus made a distinction between the peace he gives and the peace we get in the world. Listen, the peace that Jesus offers us isn't shallow. His peace is deeply rooted. It is rich and full. 
We experience this peace when we realize that through Jesus, everything we could ever want has been given to us. Because of him, we don't need to defend or protect or grasp at the world around us. God's peace, shalom, and worry are not mutually exclusive. We can worry or be in the midst of turmoil and still have access to peace. Maybe your yes, your current reality, is that your oldest kid is going off to college in the fall and you're terrified for them. Or yes, your mom just got diagnosed with cancer and you can't imagine living in a world where she isn't in it. Or yes, your bills are stacked up on the table and you don't know how you're going to get through the month. Or yes, your aging body is starting to fail you. Your yes is real, it is true, and it's valid, but together, let's remember the and, the shalom of God. And I know that's easy for me to say from this stage, right? Let's remember the shalom of God, and then leave you wondering how to actually do that. How do we lean into shalom when we are anxious? How do we experience God's peace when nothing around us feels peaceful? What we know is the lasting peace can only come from the Lord. So we need to be in relationship with him, and there are many ways to do that. One way I've seen God's peace recently is through our relationship with creation. Basic takes a trip to Jamaica over spring break every year. For the last 10 years, our ministry has visited the Caribbean Christian Center for the Deaf. This is a school for deaf children, preschool age through high school, and the goal of the school is to provide a place for them to learn sign language and receive an ordinary education, but to also learn job skills that they can take outside of the school after they graduate into a career. And they do all of that through a Christian lens. This past year, we brought 11 young adults on the trip. And while we were there, I noticed one of our college students being reserved. She was quiet and oftentimes sat back and watched as everyone else joined in the fun or activities of the day. By day three, I could tell something was going on in her head, that she was doing a lot of thinking. She was in my small group, so that night, when we were huddled together in a cabin that smelled a little and was very humid and had many rooms, yet none of the walls actually went up to the ceiling, so there was like no privacy to talk, I challenged her to take a walk with someone anyone, me, my co-leader, or another student, and just share what she's been thinking about so far that week. So then another day of heat and sunshine and serving went by, and after small group the following night, I pulled her aside and asked if she completed her challenge, if she talked with anyone. She said no. So off we went, me and her, on a walk around the mango tree just outside of our door. I shared a picture there with it. We would just do laps sometimes and talk. It was on our walk that she shared some hard stuff she'd been processing. She'd been having a hard time feeling happy, but wasn't sure if she was unhappy enough to ask for help or if she even needed help. And while she had been navigating these feelings, she had been having a hard time feeling peaceful. So we talked and we prayed. And the day after our conversation around that mango tree, it rained in Kingston for the first time in three months. Earlier that week, we were able to spot forest fires in the mountains. It was very dry, very hot, and everyone in Kingston and at that school had been praying for rain for days. And we joined in, our, in prayer with them that week. And so as it finally downpoured, 
Us crazy Americans danced in the rain and played soccer in the courtyard while all the Jamaicans laughed at us and took photos. I actually brought a really cheesy video to share with you all this morning. muddy mess, but it was really, really fun. And that day, as it downpoured and as we got messy, the student came up to me and told me that she felt peaceful. She was able to feel God's shalom. I'm not sure what happened in that moment, but I think meeting God in his creation was a way this college student felt his peace. She was able to see him in the way he was meeting needs for the land and the people there in Kingston. That doesn't mean her problems all disappeared. Yes, she's still navigating her emotions and mental health. And through God's creation, she was able to experience peace. Maybe being in God's creation is a way for you to find peace in him. Maybe being in awe of the sunrise fishing on the lake or laying in a hammock among tall trees or even in a field of tall corn. It's a way for you to remember just how big and in control the God of peace is. Or maybe you connect with God in other ways. Maybe meditation is your thing. Ten minutes to take a deep breath in a place that feels sacred, a place for only you and God. Maybe you connect with God when you're spending time with people you love, around a dinner table or playing a game together. It's through connection with others that you feel him. For me, I connect with God best when I'm sitting on my porch, listening to music and reading scripture, and meditate on just a few words at a time, and it reminds me of who he promises he is. When we are in the middle of our yes, whatever it is, it can be hard to feel the shalom of God. But the more we spend time with him, the more we dig into our relationship with him, the more we'll be able to feel his peace when we need it. Being in relationship with the Lord of peace is the best way for us to find shalom. Our never-changing, always consistent God has peace waiting for us. In a moment, we're going to move into communion. But first, I want to share with you something that we do at the end of our teachings every Thursday at Basic. We always give our young adults a question to reflect upon for a few minutes. We know that once they leave this room, where we have Basic every Thursday, they're gonna be bombarded with distractions. Phones, friends, homework, jobs. And they might not get a chance just to speak with God about what they're learning. And I bet the same is true for a lot of us on Sunday mornings. So I'm gonna go ahead and invite the servers to go to the back of the room for communion. And when we do communion this morning, I wanna challenge you to spend that time reflecting on the shalom of God. Maybe giving up your yes to him and inviting him into that yes with you. Maybe it's asking yourself and him what, a way that you can access his peace this week. A way that you can just sit and connect with him to feel it in the midst of our changing world. So now, as we go into communion, I want to remind us all that as followers of Jesus, he invites you to the communion table.
on the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you could proclaim the Lord's death. Now you pray with me. Lord, we thank you for your son Jesus, who came to this earth to be in relationship with us, to be our friend, to care for us, and to give his body for us, Lord. And I pray that amongst the freedom we feel with him, we can also feel shalom, peace. Peace that is overwhelming. Peace that is not of this world, Lord. One that is deeply rooted in what only you can provide. And God, I pray that as we go throughout our days and our week, that as we think about uh, all the ways that we're anxious, all the things that we're struggling with, that in the midst of that, we can also feel you and know that you are there walking through those yeses with us. In your name we pray.